0: I was practically dragged through the door. "'Jesus, John, what's the matter with you?' I huffed, throwing my jacket to the hardwood floor. By the time I got turned around, the door was already locked, and John was out of sight. "'John?' I wondered aloud, but then I heard a rattling sound escape from the den. Looking over, I noticed the light was on some more rattling, and then the light was off again. I glanced over to the $5 digital clock above his TV, half past midnight. As I began to meander over to the den from where I knew he must be, thoughts of the moments just passed began to race through my mind. Sitting at home, watching some Well, honestly, I was stuck in a bit of a browsing loop. So much content and so little worth watching, but I was home and I got a text. It was from him. I opened it up to find, probably, the weirdest thing I've ever read from the guy. We usually just texted stupid memes and talked about video games we both liked, and it was always very casual, lighthearted to the extreme. So... I was taken a little off guard when I read, Are you alone? I need to know if you are alone right now. I had to read it over a few times. I was trying to detect any hints of sarcasm in his grammar that would let me know this was a lead up to some punchline. But I don't know. It didn't really seem that way. So after maybe a minute... I text back. Yeah, man, I'm just hanging out at home. What's up? I put the phone down on the armrest of my couch and returned to my pointless searching across the countless videos of the countless shows across countless apps and so on. Well, no more than two minutes later, I heard what sounded like the screeching of tires skidding across pavement at a sudden break, immediately followed by incessant knocking at my door. Peeking through the window, it is clearly my friend's old piece of junk car. I open the door to be immediately latched onto by the grubby paws of my pal. Mel, we gotta go, Mel, he said, tugging at my shirt to follow him straight to his car. In the shock, I managed to struggle away along with a barrage of whoa-whoa-whoas. But I could tell my friend was in deep distress. He had backed off of trying to claw at me for the time being, so I just grabbed a jacket I had lying by the door and followed him out to his car in my slippers. Part of the shock was in how fast he'd arrived to my place. He lives about 10 minutes away, with speed limits in these areas usually reduced to 30 miles per hour max. Well, Upon sitting down in the passenger seat, I immediately discovered the answer. John cranked the gas like I would never seen, especially in such an old hunk of junk, and we sped off down the road. We were hitting close to 110 miles per hour. My god, I could barely stand it. I thought the wheels were going to fly off, and the constant mumbling of my friend didn't help matters. I tried to listen to what he was saying in the midst of all this. but... All I could make out was, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I just can't believe it, over and over again. We were at his house in what felt like 60 seconds. Though he was nice enough to allow me my free walk to his car, the rules went back to his as I got out of the car. He immediately grabbed my right arm and dragged me out into the sidewalk from the driveway to his front door. I don't know how I didn't fall to my chest a dozen times. So he drags me in the door which leads us to our present moment. I peeked around the hallway that opens to the den. This area of the house contains a front facing window which holds a beautiful view of the front yard and, at night, a wide open sky. This window is where I found my friend standing in the darkness, peeking through the shades out into the night sky. I watched him in stillness from about ten feet away. Neither of us moved for about two minutes. I just had to break the silence, but I was also weary of the situation. I had never in my life seen my friend, or anyone for that matter, so disturbed as what I was then witnessing. I approached him gingerly and again spoke his name when there was no reply or response of any kind i tried again what did you bring me here for john i tried to whisper in a tone of calm i was quite nervous and wanted to get answers while not making things worse if i could He slowly leaned away from the shades I knew were crimson in color from the daytime visits I've had prior, and stared me down with the most horrified expression I'd ever seen strewn across his eyes. "'Mel,' he began after a time, "'Mel, there's something I have to tell you.'" At this sentence. I felled my way down safely into the seat of a beanbag chair nearby, nodding for him to continue, hoping there was enough light for him to see me. Apparently, there was. Something happened tonight. Something... My God, Mel, I I don't even know how to... Oh, my God. He was holding his face and panting heavily. Take it easy, John. Why don't you have a seat? I tried to direct him down to the floor, but he immediately twitched away from me and began pacing around in the darkened den. No, no, I can't relax. I just gotta get this out. But Mel, you've gotta promise me something. You can't tell anyone. Not a single soul, not even a dog or a cat What I'm about to say, do you understand? I couldn't help but smile softly. John, come on, you know I don't need to... No, you come on, he screamed, which is quite a shock. I leaned back in my chair. You cannot tell a single soul. Horrible, horrible things will happen if you do. Horrible to me, and horrible to you. You have to promise me, Mel, that you won't tell even an ant. okay? Can you do that for me? I had the distinct feeling... That a no answer would have been highly unwelcome. So, after a short thought, I said, Okay, I won't tell a soul. I could see from the few scant rays of light coming from the living room, he stared me down with a ferocity that genuinely scared me. Eventually He looked back down to the floor, and after a few moments from then, he even sat down cross legged on the hardwood floor. All right, he finally went on. All right, he mumbled under his breath. I almost had the impression that this must be some confused person cosplaying as my friend, because I had just never seen him like this before in my life. But the story he had to tell was it was the most shocking aspect of the whole ordeal by a long shot. I got off of work uh, about an hour ago, around 11.30. He began nervously. There was construction on the highway, so I took my first exit to try to work my way home from a back road. I figured my usual 20-minute drive might end up 30 minutes. But about two minutes after I veer off onto this forested country road, I hear this loud pop sound, simultaneous with my car suddenly growing a mind of its own. It was veering from right to left, back and forth completely out of my control. And despite the fact I was going damn near 70 miles per hour, which wasn't smart, but I'd just gotten off of the highway, I slammed on my brakes. By the time I was stopped, I could see a large oak tree not less than two feet from the front of my car. I was hyperventilating and freaking out, but after a few moments, I regained enough of my bearings to grab the phone still in my pocket. It was still working, thank God. Despite the fact I didn't crash, the stop felt like I would just gone through an earthquake or Left the atmosphere or something. Well, I was okay, so with the flashlight app on my phone clicked on, I stepped out of the car. It took about two seconds to see I had a horrible flat tire, front driver's side. I could barely see a trace of rubber. It was like the tire had exploded and immediately disintegrated against the asphalt as I torpedoed off the road. I'd come to a stop about forty feet off the road, right on the edge of the tree line that kept the road enclosed on both sides. I couldn't even see the lights from the highway from here. I stood there in the muddy grass before the forest that had nearly eaten my car and stared out towards the road in silence, listening, a distant chirping of cicadas. That was about it, but as I listened closely, it was like the cicada's noise began to deepen in vibration. It was now a low hum accompanying that creepy high-pitched rattle. I'd never noticed such a tone from a cicada before, like a normal chirping with a doubling two octaves below. It made me feel uneasy. Not that I wasn't already feeling quite uneasy, but I went from adrenaline-filled fright to something I could only describe as a kind of quiet dread. I decided to circle my car, make sure none of the other tires were busted. Walking along the other side, the side closest to the trees, I was able to see that the other tires were fine for no more than a second, before my flashlight app suddenly turned off. I was, at first, annoyed. Glitchy app, I thought. But then I tried to unlock my phone. The screen wouldn't budge from dead black. It was then I realized that my vehicle, even though I had left it running with keys in the ignition, was also now off. I was plunged into an abyss of darkness all around. Nothing but the cicadas to keep me company. I felt my heart beating through my chest, and I pretty much just froze, standing there in the middle of nowhere. No street lights out. No cars had passed by or were passing by. Nothing. but. As my eyes adjusted more and more, I realized I could kind of see something, specifically when faced towards the right, towards the trees. It was mostly pure, darkened static, of course, but every few seconds or so, I'd see uh, like a hint of something, like a spark of white somewhere in my visual field that seemed to come from its own source, or at least. I thought that's what I was seeing. It was hard to tell, it was so subtle, but after a time of staring, I found myself more and more convinced the tiny flashes of light were indeed coming from an outside source. And as I continued staring, it suddenly occurred to me the possibility that I was seeing some light escaping through the branches of the tree from some light source far beyond. And if that was so, well then, it seemed my best option would be to grind forward into the unknown darkness of the forest in search of help. In search of whatever the hell that light is. And that's what I did. John was standing at the window again, peering out into the night sky. He'd gotten up about halfway through his speaking. He stopped talking for a while. I studied him in silence. I was pretty sure he was constantly moving his gaze from the street to the highest stars about every three seconds. A few minutes of this go by before I tried to make sure he hadn't forgotten we were in the midst of a conversation or whatever you'd call this. So... I take it your watch wasn't working either? I could see him freeze his gaze at the sky he'd been staring at before leaning back and slowly closing the curtains. Nope, none of it read. He began pacing the room a bit more. He'd look out the window every now and then, but he kept on talking, kept on telling his story. I walked for... Probably ten minutes, if I had to guess, before the lights started getting brighter. And it was probably another tenish, maybe a little less than that, before I really reached it. But it was nothing like I could have ever predicted. Mel, I don't know how to tell you this. I don't know how to tell this to anyone without sounding crazy, but I know what I saw. I can only know what I saw." John's head slipped into his hands as he made a sound I could only describe as someone trying deeply to hold back a cry of terror. He then proceeded carefully. I found myself on the edge of this open patch in the middle of this forest, and deeply forested trees all around. But this circular area is flat and grassy, not a weed in sight. It was probably 200 feet in diameter, this area. But I was hiding, Mel. I was ducked behind this large bush because it was quite thick, but it was easy to push some branches aside to see. And I guess I just have to tell you what I saw they were a few men they looked like men of authority they well they looked like they were in the military or something they didn't have weapons that i could see but their uniforms looked just like that of an average military soldier the perimeter of this circle contained about four large light poles hooked up to this generator that was relatively close to my side of the circle there was one light pole in each inferred corner, but none of this is what grabbed my attention. I found myself staring at this, this gigantic projector, like a movie theater projector or something, except it was the size of a gigantic spotlight. I'm talking at least thirty foot across or more, and the three guys I mentioned were huddled around its base. But this thing was tall, too, man. I mean, it was easily five times their height. And it was clearly projecting something, aimed pretty much straight into the air. I could see three distinct rays of white shining out from the projector. The beam's visibility shrank to almost nothing around the top of the tree line. Staring at this thing... I just had no idea what I was looking at, I couldn't even imagine what it'd be, but I kind of mindlessly followed the direction of the light with my eyes up to the night sky, and my stomach began to shrivel up as I found myself staring up at the three dots of light that make up Orion's belt. I stared back down to the rays of light, back up to the constellation, back down to the light, back up to the stars, again. They were lined up perfectly. Was this machine some kind of military telescope used to observe very specific areas of the night sky? Uh, Would that even explain the rays of light coming off of the spotlight-looking thing? I just couldn't figure it out but it was just then I noticed the three military guys seemed to be laughing amongst themselves, and I shrunk down into the bush a little deeper. I wanted to ask for their help, tell them I was lost, and my car was broken down, but something about the scene I'd found myself in just felt, well, I didn't feel safe to tell you the truth. I didn't know why, and i didn't have a reason why as far as I consciously knew in that moment, but I was afraid. The men kept palling around. They were quite far away, about eighty feet or so. I could make out the sound of their laughter, but not clearly enough to make out words when they spoke normally. One of the soldiers who had been roaring with laughter began walking away from the group and towards the front of what I at that moment thought might have been a telescope, though I still didn't know what the spotlight thing was. As he got closer, his buddies began to get louder, like they were egging him on to do something. It was around then I realized he was standing near a small box right in front of the large projector thing. Was that a control panel? I wasn't sure. But then the guy turned straight towards the box while his buddies roared like frat boys. And suddenly, the men began nearly screaming and hollering laughter and ape-like screeching. The lone guy at the box just nodded his head up and down and pumped his fists into the air. The hell were they doing? But just a few moments later... I would know exactly what they were gawking over. As my gaze went back to the top of the projector telescope thing, I realized that while there had previously been three streaks of light shining from the top, now I could only see two. Well, it's not like I could only see two. There were only two. And when my gaze rose to the starry heavens to check the impossible, I found exactly that. Mel, I know you won't believe me, but the third star on Orion's belt was missing. It was just gone. Poof! It didn't exist. I thought for a second that maybe a cloud just covered it up or something, but no, The sky was clear as ever. I could tell that for certain, due to the fact that every other artifact in the sky remained unchanged. I felt the breath escape my lungs. My god. I just could not comprehend the reality of what I was seeing. This is impossible, isn't it? I mean, if what I saw was real, then then everything we think we know about space, it's, it's just... My friend trailed off as he slumped back down to the floor, cross-legged once more. He released a deep sigh after a deep breath, and then he continued. I stared at that defective constellation for about a minute, maybe, before the military men's demeanor began to change from pure mindless excitement to much less so. Then a kind of nervous silence. And then the other two guys began to speed walk over to the other guy who had turned the star off, clearly mumbling nervously to each other as they did so. A few seconds after they were all huddled over the box, the third star in Orion's belt suddenly flashed back on. They all seemed greatly relieved and began giggling at each other once more though this time the laughter was purely nervous. None of that chimpanzoid frat house energy from before. I, I stood there in the bushes for a few more minutes as the men went back to their post on the other side of the base of that projector. I tried to make sure I was awake. I probably tried to breathe through a plugged nose 50 times, but to no avail. I was awake alright, very, very awake. I knew I had to say something to them, I had to get help, that was the entire reason I was out there to begin with, but that uneasiness that was already there had multiplied twenty-fold since I'd seen what I saw, and even though I had no alternate plan or way of getting home. I eventually made the decision to carefully crawl my way back a few feet, and then slowly walk my way straight into the darkness from where I came. That was a horrific endeavor in and of itself. I could see nothing. There were multiple times I was sure I'd somehow made a turn without realizing, and I'd be discovered out here five months from now, little more than a pile of bones. But after a long time, much longer than it felt to get to the light source, I felt myself tumble out onto a bed of weeds and grass. And at that very moment, two headlights swept across from my left ahead of me, over and on past my right, down the road, revealing for the briefest of glimpses, my busted car no more than fifteen feet away. I began laughing in hysterics, so thankful to just be back to the familiarity of the car, never mind the fact it didn't work. Laying my hands across the cool glass of the passenger window was like feeling the warm touch of another human after fifty weeks stranded in the desert. I felt my way around to the still open car door and flung myself into the driver's seat, slamming the door shut behind me. I was alone. It was pitch black, but I knew where I was, relatively speaking at least. I just needed to wait for another car to drive by or even just wait till morning to start walking back to town if push came to shove. I listened closely. The cicadas were still there, the low hum I'd been hearing was still there but in a flash of a moment the deep low aspect of the sound seemed to vanish and not a second later there was a loud tapping on my window i couldn't help but let out a yelp of a scream and reaction looking straight out of my side window i saw a light i then realized it was someone holding a flashlight I cracked open the door. I could now see flashing red and blue lights parked behind me through my side mirror. Oh boy, I thought. Hi, officer, I said, trying to not sound too horrified. Don't want to roll down the window? He spat sternly. Oh, my my car died and I I can't work the power windows. He nodded his head, up and down, slowly. Looked back over to his cruiser, and then back to me. "'What you up to tonight?' I took an unfamiliar exit, my tire busted, and I got stuck here. "'Thank God you happened upon me,' I said excitedly. The expression on the guy's face didn't change as he continued to nod. He looked up over the hood of my car... Towards the forest. We were called up here a bit ago. Got reports of some vagrants squatting on an old farmer's property out here, playing around with some old light bulb lamp thing they dragged out of the garbage. You wouldn't happen to have seen anything like that, would you? My mouth opened in excited reaction to tell him the strange thing I'd happened across. But just then, my gaze happened across my side mirror, and I noticed another officer now standing right beside the cruiser facing towards the main officer and me. I felt my throat clench up as I noticed his left hand was pressed up against his left ear and his right arm was clenched atop his right hip. He wasn't moving, he was staring straight forward, straight at me. I tried to meet my gaze back up to the main officers as quickly and nonchalantly as I could manage. He too was no longer moving at all. He was not looking around, nodding his head, nothing. He just looked at me straight into my eyes i smiled meekly and said no i i didn't see anything i've i've just been waiting here for help his eyes did not break from mine i could sense the other man was still frozen in position by his car five seconds passed ten seconds passed It was like I hadn't responded at all or something, and then the main officer slowly turned his head over towards the cruiser and the other officer, and after staring at him for a few seconds himself, I noticed him give a slight shake of the head, horizontally, left to right, just a tiny, subtle shake. And immediately I saw the officer by the cruiser remove his hand from his hip and walk, back over to the passenger side of the cruiser. The main officer went back to staring at me, though he was acting slightly less serious than the stone coldness I'd been dealing with just prior. Alright. So, you got a problem with the tire? Yeah, the one right there. I gestured just in front of the officer. He stared down at the wreckage of my wheel for a few seconds, then came back up to me. This a joke? He asked, as if insulted. What? No, I... The officer had backed up and shone his flashlight straight across the wheel. I opened the door a bit more and peered down, and I just couldn't believe it. My wheel, it was normal, completely intact. In fact, it looked brand new. I couldn't help but let out a short giggle before looking back up to the officer who had an expression of disappointment on his face. I, uh, I must have been mistaken, officer. Uh, But my car, my my car just died and I, I can't get it to start. He gave a superficial glance to the inside of my car, and then said in a manner I could only call unimpressed. You tried turning the key, right? I slouched back down into the driver's seat, as I went to prove I wasn't completely crazy. Yes, I've tried turning the key, it just won't... But just then, I did turn the key and the car popped back to life. The engine rumbled, the headlights came on, the radio started. No giggles escaped me this time. I slowly gazed back over to the officer standing by my cracked door. He stared at me with that same look of disappointment. I was embarrassed to hell i had no idea what was going on now and i just wanted to get out of this situation but just before the officer let me be i saw his look of concern strain to a slight smirk he then took a deep breath patted the roof of my car and then said well you have a safe drive home and you'll be taking the highway so just head on back from where you came safe travels john and that was it he walked back to the police cruiser and no sooner had he shut the door before the car was in motion its police lights still on but no siren blared despite the fact that the officer told me to take the highway that's not what they did they went right on down that little country road disappearing behind a bend in the trees in a sudden moment of fear i scrambled the phone out of my pocket to check the screen popped to life just like it always did just like it should that in and of itself sent a wave of relief through me enough to put the car in drive and head on back up the road to the highway But by the time I was back dealing with construction traffic I tried to avoid, the events that had just happened began replaying in my mind. Over and over again, I thought about those military guys. In that projector. About those stars. And then... John stopped for the first time in a while and walked back over to look out of the den's window. Well, I realized that officer never asked me my name or took my license. And right after that thought, I found myself looking at the stars above the highway and I thought about what I'd seen. And you know, Mel, as I looked at those stars, I realized how fake some of them look. I mean, so many of them just look like little tiny dots of sparkling light. Like they could easily be projected onto the sky. All of them. But then I was thinking about how people had always seen the constellations in the sky since the prehistoric times. It can't all be some big fake, can it? That's not possible, right? John was staring at me now. No, I don't think that sounds very likely. But you know, only you know what you saw. John's eyes widened ever more. So, do you believe me, Mel? I gave him my truthful answer. Yes. Yes. I believe you. We then spent about the next fifteen minutes going over and over again about how I couldn't tell another living soul, how even he was scared for having told me. I think he could tell I wasn't taking that part of the whole thing too seriously. You don't understand, Mel. He scolded me. Those officers are... Whatever the hell they were, they were going to kill me, I'm sure of it. If they knew what I'd seen, I'd be in a shallow grave by now. You must listen to me on this, okay? I agreed once more. He continued to rave on for the next hour, replaying everything that had happened again. Eventually, I had to ask him to take me home. It was now damn near four o'clock, and... I needed some kind of sleep before tomorrow. He was disappointed I couldn't stay the night. I could feel the fear radiating from him, but I assured him all would be well. I told him he just needed to get some sleep too. That he'd feel better after a good night's rest. And I believed that with my heart and my soul. Well, the next morning came and went. I got about four hours sleep, which was better than nothing. Send John a couple texts throughout the day, but I didn't get a response. And same deal the next day too. I figured he was just pissed at me since I left his house earlier than he wanted that night, but after five days had passed, I decided to swing by his place to try and straighten all this out. This all seemed a little immature to me, if I'm being honest. But as I got there, I first noticed that there was a doormat right outside his front door that said, Beware of the Fluff, with a cartoon picture of a cat right beside. Huh, that was a weird thing for my friend to get. I was trying to think of a good joke about it to rag on him with, when before I could even knock on the door, it opened before me. There was a man, a bigger fella, wearing a bright red sweater and holding a big fluffy kitty in his arms. I just stared at him, probably a look of confusion in my eyes. Can I help you? He asked. Uh, sorry. I don't want to bother you and John. I I just wanted to speak to him for a second. The man looked concerned. Oh, there's no John here. I shook my head, verified the house number again, and responded, No, 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 come on now, this this is John's house. I was just here a few nights ago. The man's look of concern deepened, and he took a slow step back. Oh, honey, he began. I've lived alone in this house for the past six years. You must be confused. I began an attempt to mumble something as I gazed over the man's shoulder and into his front room. It was definitely John's house, but all the furniture and decoration was completely different. My throat stopped trying to speak, and without another word, I turned around and dashed straight to my car. From there I got on my phone and called his number. Straight to voicemail, but not his voicemail. It said after the tone, I'm sorry, but this automated telephone number cannot receive incoming calls or texts, sorry, which then immediately hangs up. I called about 10 times and it's the same every time. I even went to the police station to see if anything had happened to him. Like if he was found hurt or dead somewhere or something. But not only did they deny that, they said that there is no record of John at all. It's like he never existed. Now, we're here. In the present. And I'm writing this because... I can't move past this. I'm stuck. Horribly stuck in the paralysis of the knowledge that something happened to my friend. I'm not crazy. Everyone seems to want me to think I'm crazy, but I know better. I remember his voice. The conversations we'd have. I even still have the texts on my phone from the supposedly automated number. But if he is real was real, then the only explanation I can comprehend is that they got him. I don't know who they is or why they do what they do, but I do know John knew these people didn't want him talking. He was convinced they'd kill him if they knew what he knew, and then he vanished. And if they made John disappear for knowing what he knew, then how could I ever hope of making it out any different from John? I don't sleep well these days, and when I do, it's never in bed. If I fall asleep, it's sitting in the chair in my living room, with the curtains drawn, the moonlight streaming in, my guard down to whatever horror has awaited this very moment to strike. Thank you for listening to tonight's story, The Stars Are Not What They Seem, exclusively on Clancy Pasta. The story was uh written and narrated by me as well. Huge huge thank you to all of my supporters on Patreon and YouTube members. Um, all of my $2 and up supporters are on screen right now, and I'm just going to go ahead and think. I usually just think in uh, audio form the $5 and up supporters, but I just want to thank all of the $2 and up supporters as well right now because uh, I, I really appreciate it. So, huge thank you to Uma Manic, Carlos A, Downey Dolphin, Zion A, Aw Bunny, David L, Captain Morgan, Stephen W, Miss PM. Angela L. Leia S. Vanessa. Folor. Goober. Lydia P. Jessica D. Todd B. Monica A. A. Rodko. Gabriel B. Skylar May M. Blue Studios. Yes, sir. Tumultuous Tay. Nord Raven. Dweller. Anglomania. Jared B. Obsidian Blade 87. Pamela P. Dexton D. Gen X Josh. King DeSet. David L, Chief Aslan, and Eilis Jack. Thank you so much, all of my $2 and up supporters. Uh, It means so much and really helps me continue to do what I do. If you would like to support the channel, you can go to patreon.com slash clancypasta. And for just as little as a dollar a month, every new upload here gets uploaded there. The audio of it, completely ad-free. Let me know what you thought of the story in the comment section below. And I will talk to you all very, very soon. Have a great night, everyone. Cheers.